And I just wanna share with you for a few minutes about this whole idea of night and why that's significant to the Christmas story. And it is because Jesus, he wasn't born at high noon. He was born at night. Why do we know this? Because the angels came to the shepherds, you know the Christmas story, as they watched their flocks by night. And when we think of nighttime, oftentimes we correlate that with darkness. And let me just kind of be vulnerable here for, with you just for a moment. I've never really been a big fan of the dark, okay? In fact, as a child, I would let you know I was scared of the dark, okay? Now, I'm an adult, so I figured out how to say that a lot more sophisticated now. So I say things now like, I'm just not a fan of the dark, right? That's what I'll say now, right? Sounds a lot better. And I came across something a few years ago that I'm sure many people had known about for decades. It was new information to me, and it totally changed my whole mindset when it comes to approaching the dark. And that's this, this amazing headlamp, right? You guys see this, right? <laughs> now, I've got several of these at home. I just actually received this one last week as a new gift. Apparently, word has gotten out that I like headlamps. And y'all think you saw some lights in here earlier? We could cut these lights off right now. I cut this thing on, blind all of you. I'd do it right now, okay? I mean, the light on this thing, you can see it from outer space, I'm convinced. And I'm that guy. I'm the neighbor outside at night walking around with a headlight on. That's me, okay? So far, no one's called the cops, so everything's fine. It's good, all right? So if you have that neighbor, cut him a little bit of slack. Some of us don't like the dark. But this idea of darkness and light and what that's supposed to look like in our lives is actually a part of the story, like the big story that God starts telling us in his word. In fact, if you start at the beginning in Genesis chapter one, it's complete darkness. Darkness hovered over everything, and it's in that darkness that God brought creation into existence, that God literally spoke and said, let there be light. And you see, when God spoke and said, let there be light, it changed everything. And we're gonna talk tonight about what that means and then what does it mean for God to send us Jesus as the light at Christmas. But just for a minute, just to have some fun talking about light, kind of just three observations. We know these, but it's helpful to review. So when we talk about light, the first thing that we wanna recognize is that light chases away darkness. That any time that light is present, by definition, there is no darkness. In fact, that's the second observation. They cannot simultaneously Coexist. Now, why that matters for us is since the moment God spoke light into existence, true darkness has never existed. So even though we talk about nighttime and we talk about it being dark, there's still light. We know that from the moon. We know that from stars. But what you might not know is there's actually a phenomenon known as airglow. And I brought a picture with you, with me to share with you of airglow, all right? That means literally the air you're breathing right now is glowing. That's pretty awesome, right? Now, here's the hard part. We don't get to see air glow very often. In fact, there's only a few places on earth you can go where you can observe air glow because our man-made sources of light compete with it. But when God spoke and said, let there be light, light has never stopped obeying that command that it literally has been light ever since then. In fact, light has continued to obey that command at such a rapid speed that we're just now beginning to discover all of the galaxies millions of light years away that were formed when God spoke light into existence. And darkness has never been since that point. But see, when we get to Genesis chapter three, Adam and Eve, they sin. 
And when they sin, it doesn't counter the light with physical darkness. Rather, their sin introduces the world to spiritual darkness. And you see, it's the spiritual darkness that was created by sin that created the reason for God to send us Jesus at the light, as the light, at the first Christmas. And so what I wanna do just for a few moments is share with you three reasons why Jesus had to come as the light at the first Christmas. You see, the first reason Jesus came is a little bit for what I just talked about. Jesus came as the light to chase away the spiritual darkness from sin. See, just because physical light chased away darkness permanently didn't mean that there was a solution yet available to chase away the spiritual darkness from sin. And this is one of the reasons why Jesus had to come. See, when Jesus was born into the world, it was a very dark place. There was war, conflict, violence, refugees being driven from their homeland, oppression, famines, people being oppressed. It was actually not a good place on the earth when Jesus came as the light. And this makes sense because, see, by this point, sin had been running its evil course for generations. And when we talk about Christmas, what we have to recognize is it's not like God was trying to come up with a solution in real time. It's not like thousands of years after Adam and Eve have sinned, God's trying to come up with an idea. And the best idea he could come up with was to send a baby at Christmas named Jesus. No, see, when you read Genesis chapter three, at the very end of the chapter, we see that God already had a plan for what he was going to do because of the spiritual darkness from sin. And while the details of this plan are a little fuzzy in Genesis chapter three, what we see throughout the rest of the Old Testament is God unfolding this great plan, and we start to get some details, like he would send the Messiah, like that Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. And when we get to Christmas, we recognize that God sent us Jesus. But Jesus didn't arrive for the first time at Christmas. You see, Jesus was actually a part of Genesis chapter one. He was there when creation took place. As we go to God's word, we see the clarity from that in John chapter one, verses one through four. It says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Now that word, word, doesn't mean the same thing that it does to us in our normal English language. You may notice that it's capitalized. And this word, word, and its original understanding is actually representative of Jesus. And so as we read this passage accurately, we could say in the beginning was Jesus, and Jesus was with God, and Jesus was God. Jesus was with God in the beginning, and through Jesus all things were made, and without Jesus nothing was made that has been made. In Jesus was life, and that life, here's the phrase, was the light of all mankind. That God sent us his son Jesus as a light to chase away spiritual darkness. And you see, darkness has a way of creeping into our lives. Darkness is like a cloud. It's like a storm that, that it passes through, and rather than continuing to go, it just stops, and it kind of settles in for a little while. And maybe that's where you are this Christmas season. Maybe some darkness has settled into your life. It might be because you've lost a loved one this year. It might be because you're just experiencing loneliness in a way that it's, it's never felt this bad before. Maybe you've gone through a major transition this year. Maybe uh, you welcomed a child into the world. Maybe you moved. Anytime you go through major change, sometimes, even if it's a good change, that can bring darkness 
into our lives. And so this darkness from sin hasn't just affected the world, it's literally affected us, that it has a way of coming into our lives. And someone says, well, if the world is dark now and the world was dark then, what has Jesus actually accomplished? I mean, couldn't God just stop all of this darkness? Couldn't God step in and keep all of this evil from continuing to happen and all of the darkness that continues to come into our lives? Why doesn't God make it stop? And see, that's a really good question. It's actually a question people have been asking for centuries. And believe it or not, it's a question that people were asking just a few decades after Jesus ascended to heaven. See, we believe that Jesus ascended to heaven with the promise that he would return. And about 30 years later, people were looking around and still noticing darkness in the world, and they began to wonder, when is God going to send Jesus back? And Peter, who was one of Jesus' disciples, actually addressed this in one of his letters. And here's what he said. He said, God is not delaying, as some of you have been told, but rather, he's being patient. God is being patient to send Jesus back and to stop the darkness from continuing to spread so that as many people as possible can come to faith in Jesus Christ. And that's the tension, that the moment God ends the darkness, people no longer have the opportunity to respond to faith in Jesus Christ. And see, that presence of spiritual darkness eventually should move each of us to a place that actually gives us the second reason why Jesus came at Christmas. You see, the second reason Jesus came as the light at Christmas was to actually lead us, to lead us out of the spiritual darkness and to do that as our Savior. See, it's not difficult to acknowledge spiritual darkness in the world. I mean, if anybody can look around in this world and go, I'm fairly certain everything's exactly as it should be. What planet are they living on, right? It's not hard to look around and go, things aren't as they should be. We can spot spiritual darkness in the world. Here's what's a little more challenging, spotting the spiritual darkness in ourselves. And I don't wanna judge anybody or come down on you or, or be mean-spirited, but at some point, each of us in our lives have to get a little honest that we actually don't have it all together, that we have a shadow side, that there's some things we do that actually aren't good. If you don't think that's the case, ask your family on the way home. They will tell you. <laughs> they will fill in some gaps. And it's okay for us all to get to that place where we recognize, wait a second, maybe I've contributed to this spiritual darkness. Maybe I actually place myself at the center of every relationship. Maybe I've done some things I regret. Maybe I carry around some shame, and some pain and some guilt and some remorse. And see, this spiritual darkness is a darkness that all of us at some point in our lives have to come face-to-face -face with. And when we come to that place, what we have to recognize and acknowledge is what we're talking about tonight, that it's because of that darkness that each of us have that God sent Jesus to be a light. But see, it's a very different thing for Jesus to be a universal light, acknowledged at Christmas, to being a personal light that we've chosen for ourselves. And it's a decision every person has to make in their life. 
to recognize darkness must be countered by something God made that way through his son, Jesus. It doesn't matter if your parents made this decision, if your grandparents were really spiritual people, if you've kind of come from a heritage of faith or all of the phrases that we like to use, every single person has to recognize at some point in their life that this darkness exists. And, and when you do, the steps that you take are so simple that a child can take them. In fact, Jesus said that it's a childlike faith that's required when we come to this place in our life. You don't have to understand everything about God. You don't have to understand everything about Jesus. You don't have to understand everything about the Bible, but we can all understand our need for a light when we acknowledge our darkness. And it's as simple as ABC, that when you get to a place in your life, the first thing you do, A, is you just simply admit it. You just admit it. It's true. I have a shadow side. I have a darkness that lingers in my heart. And see, when we admit it, for a lot of us, then we have to reflect on what we've actually done over the years to counter that. See, some of us, when we feel that ache in our soul and that darkness in our soul, we counter it by pursuing pleasurable things. And there's nothing wrong with having fun or pursuing pleasurable things as long as the chief motivation isn't to counter the darkness in our soul. But you see, if you pursue those things, you will eventually begin to abuse those things because it will not meet that longing in your heart. And yet others, when we reflect upon that, admitting that there's a darkness in our life, what we recognize is that our story is actually one of countering the darkness by trying to outdo the darkness through good. And there's nothing wrong with doing good things. But if the motive for doing good things is to counter the darkness at a soul level, you will never be able to do that. And so we recognize and we admit that we have this darkness and there's nothing that we can do about it. Therefore, the letter B is we believe. We believe that God actually did love us enough to make a way, that he sent his son Jesus at Christmas. But you see, here's the thing. For many of us, we're very comfortable with Jesus as long as he remains in a manger. But see, we have to get to a place where we believe and acknowledge by faith that he grew up and he lived a perfect life. That matters it matters that Jesus lived a perfect life because none of us can live a perfect life. And perfection is what's required to be in the presence of God. See, God is not like us. God is holy. God is just. God is perfect. God is loving. And I like that about God. See, I don't need God to be like me because if God's like me, I don't need God. I want God to be completely other or different than me. And he is in fact that. And because God is so holy and so perfect, only someone who is perfect can enter into God's presence. Jesus did that by living the perfect life. That means his death on the cross mattered because his death on the cross was then sufficient to pay for all sin for all time. But see, you also have to believe that Jesus walked out of the tomb because if Jesus just was killed on a cross, put in a tomb, and never came out of that tomb, he was just somebody who was pretty passionate, who had a lot of zealots who followed him because they were fooled, and that's not what happened. We actually have more evidence for the fact that Jesus walked out of the tomb for the first 30 years after that resurrection than most evidence we have for any other factual historical event that happened in the first or second century. Perhaps the greatest evidence are the guys who he called his disciples literally gave their lives to get this message out that Jesus was alive after he was dead again. And then we believe that Jesus ascended to God the Father with the promise that he would return. You get to a place in your life where 
after admitting that there's some spiritual darkness, you believe that God made a way through his son Jesus as your light. And then the letter C is quite simply, you just confess that. That you confess that to be true. The Bible says that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. And you confess that by asking Jesus to come into your life and to save you by faith. And then from that day forward, not only is he your savior, he's your Lord. And for many of you, tonight is a night where as you begin to listen and you sense that stirring, this is actually God stirring in your heart, that what you thought might just be another Christmas Eve service is actually your invitation to have an encounter with a real and living God because of what God did at the first Christmas. And see, the final reason that Jesus came as the light at that first Christmas was actually to make you one of his lights. See, if you come to a place in your life where you recognize what I just talked about and you ask Jesus to come into your life and to save you, one of the more remarkable things that happens is he makes you one of his lights. He gives you his Holy Spirit. And then from that day forward, your life has purpose. One of the most incredible verses in the Bible, it's really short, but do not miss its impact. Matthew 5, 14, here's what Jesus says. You are the light of the world. Remarkable. That this light who came at Christmas, who then later said, I am the light of the world, looks at his followers and says, now you are the light of the world. And for 2,000 years of church history, flawed people who were rescued and saved by Jesus Christ have taken that light into dark places taken their light into places nobody else wanted to go, loved people that nobody else wanted to love because their life now had a purpose as a light. I love how Paul describes this in Philippians chapter two. He says, then you will shine among them. Who's them? People who haven't yet experienced Jesus as their light. Paul says, you're gonna shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. You see, for some of you, that's the message you need to hear this Christmas Eve. Your life matters. God created you in his image. God created you to be the object of his affection. That there's literally nothing about your life, nothing about you, that God did not design with incredible purpose and intent. He literally knit you together in your mother's womb. And everything about you, from how you look, to your personality, to your past, to your stories, to everything else, it's part of God's perfect plan. And God wants to make you one of his lights. And for many of you, you've been trying to find that purpose and that meaning for this difficult thing called life. And might I suggest tonight that the answer is receiving Jesus as your light and then recognizing that beyond the promise of spending all of eternity with him in heaven, you have the promise of purpose for the rest of your life here. That your life can count, that your life can matter, that you too can carry a light into some dark places. And maybe you walked in here tonight wondering if anybody notices or cares about what you're facing right now, about what you're going through right now, God sees you, he knows you, he loves you. Christmas is his way 
of showing you that there's no limit to what he will do to rescue you back to him as one of his children by sending you his light. Would you bow your head with me this evening? Just everybody here in this room, just bow your head for a second. That maybe in the quietness of this moment, some of you recognize that while you can acknowledge a spiritual darkness that exists in this world, you've just never come to a place in your life where you've recognized the spiritual darkness in you. And it would be a shame to go through another Christmas season acknowledging a manger scene out of nostalgia and not receiving Christ as your savior. And so if that's you tonight, just right where you're seated, I just wanna lead you through a prayer. We just walked through it a few minutes ago, but you just say, Jesus, I admit that I'm in darkness and that I'm a sinner and that I need you to save me. Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross for my sin, that you defeated death through the resurrection. And Jesus, I wanna ask you to come into my life and save me, to be my light, to rescue me from sin. And from this day forward, Jesus, I want you to be my savior and my Lord. Hey, if you just prayed that prayer, everybody's heads are bowed, but I wanna pray for you this week. Would you be bold enough just to slip your hand up and say, hey, I prayed that for the first time tonight. Ask Jesus to come in and be my light, and be my savior. Thank you. I want you to know that I'm gonna be praying for you this week, but I wanna encourage you to tell somebody my wife and I will be out in the lobby after the service. Maybe you can swing by and tell us. Maybe you have a family member, a friend, someone who attends this church, and you know they, they walk with God. Maybe you wanna share that good news with them as well. And so God, as we come to you right now, quite simply, we say thank you for the new life that's just occurred in this room, for those who have moved from death to life because of you as their light. God, thanks for coming after us. God, thanks for not letting our sin stay in the way of being reconciled back to you. God, thanks for sending us the light of Jesus. God, thank you that we don't have to carry around the pain and the shame and the regret. Jesus, thank you for taking that to the cross. Jesus, thank you that you've called us to be a light Jesus, help us to move boldly into dark places to shine a light that points others to you. We pray these things in Jesus' name, amen.